So the title of my talk today is My God-Given Power. Do you think I could have been any more vague? <laughs> well, once again, I knew that I was going to have to teach a class at Unity, but I hadn't gotten the information before Sean needed the talk title, so I prayed on it. And that's what came through. So I said, okay, that's good enough, and I submitted it. And then when I received the information from Unity, my power that I'm doing a 45-minute class on in front of the people who are grading me is the power of love. So I was very excited about that. It is one of my favorite powers to talk about. And it's actually, to me, and they talk a little bit about it in the readings, it's more than the other, 12, of the other 11 powers because it is the essence of who we are. It is the essence of how we came to be. Last week, David Friedman talked about the hidden gift. And the reality is, all of our gifts can be considered hidden if we're not willing to go within and look for them. Because all 12 powers, as many of you know, Unity, one of the core teachings at Unity are there, we have 12 spiritual powers or faculties or attributes, whatever you want to call them. And Charles Fillmore developed them based on the 12 disciples that Jesus Christ had. And 12 is spiritual completion or spiritual fulfillment. So just to have that as an awareness and a knowledge. And the 12 powers are faith, strength, wisdom, love, power, order, will, understanding, imagination, renunciation, life, and zeal. Those are all 12 powers. So we had talked about a couple of months ago, we had talked about faith and that we all have faith. It's just where does our faith lie? Does our faith lie in the good and in the knowing the truth? Or does our faith fade away when things aren't going our way? And then we had strength. And what strength is mostly used for or supposed to be for is to have the strength to have the faith when things don't go the way we think are the best way to go. But strength is also used with all the other powers. And then comes wisdom. And wisdom is necessary to work with love because if we just went on love alone, there would be a lot of lust around and there would also be like, uh, if you think of Hitler, you know, Hitler loved his country. So he did a lot of things that re really weren't that loving to the rest of the world. So he kind of had a disconnection with his wisdom and his discernment. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about love. And love is the color pink, and it is depicted by the Apostle John. And it is in the back of the heart. And that's where it's found, in the back of the heart. So we're calling forth these principles because we want to call forth the Christ consciousness within ourselves or the God within ourselves to come from that place. And they could also be called the considered the inner disciples of our Christ nature. But this is the journey. We're touching on these aspects of consciousness to awaken them and to spiritualize them. So we have the power of love, which is different from romantic love, right? The romantic love is a feeling, it's an emotion that we all have. It's just an aspect 
of love. It is actually the aspect of love that creates attraction. It creates magnetism. It's that feeling. It creates affection. We normally, we come from our heart, but it's our, and we come from our head, but our heart is where our feelings come from, and in, kind of like in the gut where the wisdom is. So we have to get the two of them to work together. In Paul in the Corinthians 13, 13, he says, so faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. And then Jesus said, love is the most essential quality of man. And Ed Rabel said, mankind says love is the most desirable, but we have the most trouble with it. Some say they can't live with it, and some say they can't live without it. And then Charles Fillmore said, God does not love anybody or anything. God is the love in everybody and everything. God is love, and man becomes loving by permitting that which God is to find expression in word and act. So that's what we're here for. We're here to find love in everything, everything that we see and everything that we do. The power of love does not come and go just the way our emotion of love can come and go, right? Some days we can love our family and some days we could not care for them too much. We may still love them, but we don't want to really hang out with them, right? Emotional love can also make us fearful, but the power of love never makes us fearful. Actually, the power of love casts out all fear. So what is love? And as like all the other powers, the power of love is a spiritual faculty. It's not just an emotion, but emotion is just part of it. And it's love is implanted in our being by God. It is the ability to know oneness with others and the desire to only know goodness. Love is the foundation of our being and it is that which we are at our depths. The deepest truth and the hardest place to live from is that place of love. Because what that means is, when we see people that are doing things that are hurtful to ourselves, we need to find love. We need to see them in love. We need to find forgiveness. We need to accept that they're God's children also. So there are three aspects of the power of love. There's magnetism there's harmony, and there's unity. So we talked a little bit about the magnetism, which is where the emotion part lives. We cannot live, we cannot love and fear at the same time. But with emotional love, we can. If we have emotional love, we can. Whereas the power of love, do you, do you hear the difference? The power of love, we cannot do both. We also may feel fear. When we feel fear, we have to stop looking at the object that we love and start coming back to that place of love within us. That, that's all there is, that source of love from within. And attraction is the ability to attract ourselves to something. Now, the other thing about love is, so if you think about the law of attraction, it is really true. But the way it works is it's not just about thinking about things, it's about how we feel. So we could be feeling negative about something, but because we're feeling it, we're going to attract that to us. But we have to remember that if it's not good, it's not over yet. If it's not good, it's not over yet. Because there's stuff like, for example, I've shared this many times, I was with a man who died, and it was awful. But it brought me to where I am today. So in that day, in that place for those three years or so that I was 
healing and suffering and struggling and grieving, I couldn't even think that there was good that was to come of this. But now, in hindsight, I realize it was such a huge turning point in my life. It was what got me here to be studying, to be a licensed unity teacher, and to be a minister. There were so many, there were signs before that, but I did not pay attention. And when Michael died, I started getting the signs where I was doing that shaking thing. And back then, I still wasn't ready for the message, so I thought it was the physiological part of what I had to go through for menopause. Then, 10 years later, when I meet Gabe and he, I went through it again, I was waking up, woken up to the truth of what that physical thing was trying to tell me, was trying to wake me up to. Because at that point, I had found this community. And now I had a way to find my way to become a minister. Back then, when I was with Michael, I had no way. Even though my body knew that that was something I was supposed to do, I had no way. I had no resources. I had, it was like, pfft. I All I thought about back then was I need to write a book. It never dawned on me. Although, I shouldn't say it never dawned on me. I can remember a couple of times back then saying that I should, you know, speak about this and maybe there's another path for me. But I had no resources. I had nothing in me to make that journey. But... Again, 10 years later, I had the resources and I had the energy. So that's when the good came. But there was good in the loss of Michael also. It just, I couldn't see it when I was in it. So the second aspect is harmony, which is the ability to unify or bring agreement and accord to our thoughts or to a situation. In Colossians 3.14, above all, clothe yourself with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love is capable of unconditional acceptance and the view all things work together for the good. Like I was just saying, if it's not good, then it's not over. Have you ever heard the story about the man who was in his yard and a horse came galloping into his yard and it was nobody's horse and he ended up, oh my God, this is a horse that we can actually have for our farm. And he was like, well, this, this could be good, and it might not be so good. And so all the neighbors like, oh, this is so good. And he's like, well, I don't know, maybe. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not good. Well, the next day, his son, who was about 18 years old, goes out on the horse and gets thrown from the horse. Well, the kid breaks his leg. And so everyone's like, oh, that's so bad. That's so bad that he broke his leg. I'm so sorry. He's like, well, maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Who knows? You know, We'll see. The next day. A bunch of men come, soldiers come, and they're looking to recruit young men. Well, they couldn't recruit his son because he had a broken leg. So my point in this story is, it's not over until there's good that you can see in it. And there may be things in your life right now that don't feel good, that don't look good. Just trust that there's good on the other side of them. And this is part of the oneness of all of it. We are, higher, we are at higher vibrations when we're loving and coming from that source of love within us. And that's the perfect divine love, the single most beautiful thing we can have, and it's eternal. Divine love sees no differences. God loves all sinners as well as saints. In scripture, Matthew 22, love the, God, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength because then you will love all others because they too are, go are God. So the song that we sang this morning, open the eyes of my heart, God, 
so that we could see from that place of love, we could see the love and we could see the God in everybody. I don't know about you, but there's so much going on right now that I certainly don't like that's going on in the world, but I believe in the deepest part of me that it's stuff coming up so that we can clear it away. There's stuff coming up so that we can look at it differently and, and make better choices next time. That's how I look at it in my life and in the world. I, I can't help but look at it that way. So some human examples are, besides Jesus, are Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Martin Luther King. They were able to come from that place of love all the time. And when we call on the love of God and allow it in, it frees us. And as hard as it may be, but try to love the person consumed by hate or evil. Otherwise, we're doing the same thing as the evildoer, right? We're judging them. We're not able to see the God in them. We don't condone their actions. We hold to the truth of what they cannot yet see. So the last part is unity. The unifying power of love is the remedy for separation consciousness. The unifying power of love is our capacity for communion, empathy, and compassionate service. We see others in one another. In Course in Miracles, it says, heaven is not a place or a condition. It is merely an awareness of perfect oneness. In the scripture of Gospel of Thomas 49, blessed are they that are one within themselves. They will find the kingdom. And then in John 17, 24, the glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one. So the, we're all connected. And the, the, the closer we get to realizing that and accepting that, it is another way to enter into the kingdom of God. So we talked about love and its aspects of magnetism, harmony, and unity. And the power of love within self is it exemplifies courage because one must be courageous to be the truth student and to see love in all things and oneness in all things. And it also takes courage to show up as a child or expression of God that you came here to be, to be authentic, to shed all of those levels or layers of doing things because that's what I did the day before, that's what I was taught, and to let go of that and to just show up and shine your light, no matter how scary it is, to shine your light because that's, that's the expression of God. That's the gift that each one of us came here to be, to shine our light. When we authentically show up, we show up as the Spirit of God. So now we're going to make it a little bit more personal, and I'm going to ask, to be all we can be and to know our oneness with all and to see the goodness in everything, what are you committed to? Do you know? What do you commit to every day? Are you aware of your thoughts? Are you committed to self-care, self-love, finding happiness and peace within? Or do you complain, doubt, feel insecure, find yourself irritable and frustrated? Are you generally negative or positive throughout the day? Perhaps it's a combination. 
these questions are just to get you to think. Because I know often, I'm off in another world in my story, and then all of a sudden I take a breath and I come back to this moment. And remember, I have a choice. I have a choice to live in that story, or I could be here right now and be empowered and start a new story. Often our unconscious thoughts and habits and beliefs, are they pull us back into our story so easily, and it's just because of past conditioning. So it's a consciousness, an awareness to say, I'm gonna be the guard at the portal of my mind, and I'm only gonna think thoughts that are empowering. I'm gonna think thoughts of love. I'm gonna ask God for guidance and listen. It doesn't mean that everything has to look perfect. It doesn't mean that bad stuff isn't gonna happen or things that we wanna call bad. It doesn't have to look any certain way. Life doesn't have to look any certain way. In fact, if you could just be present during times of sadness and anger and frustration, unforgiveness, and allow the full expression to come forth without you judging yourself, that in and if itself has the power to heal, shift and transform you. It's not about denying our thoughts and feeling, and it's certainly not about judging them. It's about loving ourselves enough through them in order to be free. So next week I'm gonna be spending some time at the Fillmore Manor with some friends. And the other day I got an email from one of my friends and she said she wanted to talk to me. So my story is, okay, what have I done wrong? What did I do? What's gonna happen? And what kind of trouble am I in now? Okay, now was that loving? Was that me loving myself? Absolutely not. I she called me to tell me that she's got an anxiety disorder and it may come up. And she wanted me to be aware of it. My heart was so touched. I just felt what a loving thing to do for herself. And I, of course, was, whatever you need me to do, I will do. And God bless you for being able to say that. She, was so, she wanted to stay in the house with us, because there's, there's three of us, but she was afraid, and she didn't want this anxiety to keep her from doing, having that experience. And it took her, I mean, we made the commitment in August, and it took her all this time to, to say this, because it's going to be next week. And I was just taken aback at, how much love she had for herself to be able to do that. And then, you know, I was sharing with somebody this morning another way that I show I love myself are some of the dreams I have at night. <laughs> Last night I had a dream. I have this recurring dream. All my life I've had this dream that I have to take a test and I can't find the room, I can't find the school, I can't find... So that dream has kind of gone away, and last night I had a new version of that dream. The version of the dream I had last night was, I'm taking the test, like next Monday is the test, I'm taking the test next Monday, this time next week I'm flying down. And the test, half of the test is on trigonometry and calculus. And I'm like, I didn't study trigonometry and calculus. And so I'm like, I don't even know, like what am I gonna do? So I, I'm fast forwarding, and then, the next part of the test is about onions. No. I'm like, onions? Why are they asking about onions? And I'm peeling the onion thinking I'm gonna find the answer in the onion, right? And so I finally, so one of the instructors came over and said, are you having a hard time? I'm like, yes, why are they asking me about onions? And she said, onions was Charles Fillmore's favorite food. I was like, 
Well, that wasn't in the notes. I didn't study any of that, you know? I woke up, I was like, oh, thank God, it was a dream. Thank God, I was so scared. But I said, wow, I must be stressed out somewhere about what's happening next week and how I have to be loving and compassionate with myself. And it's interesting because I'm so, you know, I have a plan and I study and I do, but there is this fear inside me. So my point is that somewhere I'm not loving myself. And I want to get better at that. And I need to look at that and just be okay with that I have this fear. And, you know, I, I, you know, part of once in a while I think, what if I don't pass and I have to come back and tell everybody I didn't pass, you know? It's, it's, it's horrible. So, and then immediately I'm like, I'll pass. One thing I can do is take tests, you know? I might not know the material for a long time, but I can take a test. Bad. Anyway, I, I'm really enjoying my, my studying. It's been amazing and it's been amazing for me to look at you know um this is the first test i've taken in a long time and it's not as easy for me to remember things but i'm finding ways to attach certain things so that i can remember them so it's been really cool anyway so this journey that we're on this journey of self-love it's it's not it's not like there's a test but it's a journey of self-mastery there's no destination. It's about just being the best that you could be every day. It's practice, not perfection, and not performance. It's realizing that every moment is a prayer. Every word is a prayer. And when we set an intention and communicate with our higher self, our angels, our guides, everything after that is contained of the inner commitment. So going about your day, you may get angry and upset or overreact even get angry at something or someone. But Course in Miracles says, and I quote, I forgive myself for having this thought. I choose love instead. I forgive myself for having this thought. I choose love instead. So our mind will run off and our emotions may get heated, but we can come back to that mantra. And we come back to this present moment. And what are we doing in this present moment? So we can beat ourselves up or because we failed and we've, or we can rejoice that we've returned home to the moment at hand to open up and receive and choose that which serves our highest good rather than that which separates us. And the best time of day to set this kind of attention, of course, is in the morning. First thing when you get up before you meet the world, before the world bombards you. It's those very precious moments to be grateful for another day and to connect with your soul and to love whatever comes up. The Course in Miracles also says, if you spend five minutes in the morning with the spirit of love, God, Holy Spirit, whatever you choose to call it, five minutes in the morning, guarantees that he, she, the divine itself, mother, father, God, will be in charge of your thought forms for the rest of the day. So I invite you to make a, a new commitment with me, maybe for the next 40 days, to see how things shift. See if you could wake up and start with a prayer. And right now, I'm going to go through a prayer with you, so get comfortable. You might want to close your eyes or just look down. And it's from a woman, Tina Marie Bortoli, and it's called The Inner Commitment to Yourself. Let's take a breath. Open your heart and let go as you deepen your breath. Arriving in your body and in this moment. Let us put out this beautiful prayer together. To my angels, 
my guides, my higher self, my beloved creator, God, divine source. I open my heart right now to feel more in alignment with my soul, my passion, my reason for being, the God within me. I surrender to a higher purpose and plan, and I commit to self-love. I commit to compassion, especially to myself, with infinite patience and acceptance. I promise to be kind to myself as I observe my thoughts and my feelings and awaken to new levels of trust. I understand that this is a cleansing and purification of my mind. Through this purging of old limiting thoughts, patterns, and beliefs, I am able to fill myself up with a higher vibration of unconditional love and divinity itself. Merge with God, the creator, and co-create my life by making new and beautiful choices that serve and support me. It all starts with me. I know that now, and it all starts right now. This is helping me create from a whole new healing, loving space. And that space is me. I choose me. I allow. I yield, surrender, and bless this moment in the process. I trust. I celebrate all that is unfolding. And I proclaim, I know that I am the embodiment of love and joy. And even now, things are shifting. My heart is opening. Healing is happening. And I am blessed. I am rising. I am so thankful. So grateful. I breathe this prayer into my heart. I soften and let go. In full knowing that it's already done. I can never be separate. Only my mind tells me that. So this moment is the beginning. I am grateful. I let it be. And so it is. Amen. So come back to this room feeling alive, alert, awake, and enthusiastic. Your mind knows it, and your body shows it.